1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. National average twelve-month savings of seven hundred forty-four dollars by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June twenty twenty-two and May twenty twenty-three. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
2: Bear farming a Bucks T-shirt. What's going on in this world? It's his face is as red as the Bucky the Buccaneer. There.
1: Bucky the Buccaneer, Chris. What is going on with Bucky the Buccaneer? At Jay Broska 55 says, someone tell Chris that Bucko Bruce is the original mascot of the Buccaneers.
2: I know. I, I choked. I choked him in the primetime lights. And I knew it was Bucko Bruce. I just messed up. I choked in the moment. Sorry.
1: That is Leave that up. I, I love, love that. I look good Chris right Sims there. is Damn. Bucko Bruce. Damn. I Can I like we that bring that right. back? No, no, no. Bring back. Okay, we know what those look like. Bring back the other one. Pull back the other one. I think that you have in your mouth the instrument they use to remove your spleen. I think that <laughs> makes right. it even more that's perfect. What I, that's what I did. I was like, remove this organ.
2: Here it is. I or, can't take it anymore.
1: Or, or they didn't use anesthesia and they told you to bite down on this sword. Like <laughs> right. They would on belt, yeah, yeah, right. Bite down. on Yeah. Bite
2: down. Somebody holds his hands. <laughs> it won't hurt. Don't worry. Here, take a slug of some whiskey while you're at it. <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. Well, your, I can tell you.
1: Your near death experience is my source of amusement. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's
2: okay. I can tell you, and I, I think I've said this to you before. I was so miserable as the surgeon was standing over me in the bed, and I'm sitting there. You know, they're they're about to give me anesthesia, and the surgeon was eating an apple, just watching me, right? And I was like, "Who is this weird guy just studying me right now?" But I was so miserable that I was ready for. If they had to take a machete out and open me up, I was ready for it because I was so, so much wow. pressure and pressure had built up in my abdomen from the blood that I just couldn't take it anymore. So, uh, yeah, that was a little insight into my moment there. Sorry about that.
1: By the way, we used that not not to bring back Chris's bad memories of the <laughs> near-death experience, but because it's official – the Cream sickles are back yes. for 2023. They announced it a year ago, but there was some issue or so they said about the supply chain. Remember when the supply chain was yeah. a problem and we right. couldn't get stuff? Right. So there was something about the supply chain. and They couldn't do it last year for what was Tom Brady's final year in Tampa. So it'll be Mike Evans and company in the Cream sickles for uh, this year. It's not, not all the time. A like couple what, of times, three games, the right? Look. You can do that yeah. like two. I think it's maximum of three games. And I remember... That, and it's funny how the passage of time and the removal of something creates a longing for it, a nostalgia for it. People hated those uniforms. Yes, they did. Those were embarrassing uniforms. The whole idea was they were going to do something that was pastel, like the dolphins. Like it worked for the dolphins with the aqua, and right. you know it had that soft that Florida, Florida feel, color. So right. they they did a. They did a twist on that. And I guess the difference is the Dolphins ended up being pretty good pretty quickly. And if the Bucks had been pretty good pretty quickly. And by their their fourth season, 79, 46, yeah. 79, yeah, you're right. fourth season, right. they actually were pretty good. And they NFC made it to the NFC Championship. But through the 80s, they were horrible. Oh. And into the 90s, pre-Tony Dungy, they were horrible. So that it, it made people hate that uniform. But you remove it for a while, and people want it back. So it will be back on multiple occasions starting in twenty twenty three. Yeah, it's
2: um it's one of those that just it's it's actually so ugly it's cool, or it's so weird it's cool. It's it's like I I think we would get sick of it if you had to show me it on a weekly basis. I'd be like, Oh man, those uniforms, they tire my eyes out a little bit. But like a little splash of it every now and then. I'm down for that. I wouldn't want them to change back to that, though. I wouldn't. I, I do think I'd get sick of that, that orange and all that look at, at you know, after a while. I, I do feel that as compared to like the Eagles, who were going back to the Kelly green. I think in the same way this year for two or three games, where I want to go. Oh, those! They need to just switch back to those, you know, full time. Those were the best. But uh, I love the
1: infusion of the old school uniforms into the season now. I do like that. When you think about dramatic uniform shifts in our lifetimes, yeah, the Buccaneers was the most dramatic. I mean, it went from pastel Florida Art Deco to this harsh gunmetal gray, deep red. You know, the Broncos had a pretty dramatic, pretty dramatic. shift too yeah. at about the same time, yeah. but not as not no. like this. No, not like this the You're the right. Buccaneers was the most stark change that I can remember. It was a true tr- like it, it's pewter and red,
2: like you said and a pewter it, you know, if I remember correctly, it is invented by the Glazer family and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's a color all to its own that they concocted in a lab or whatever else. so but yeah, that was a total drastic change. The Broncos still stayed within the same color schemes they just took a little of that baby blue out but the orange and navy blue was in there to a degree you're right that was as drastic as it gets I, I can't think of one that was more drastic than the
1: Buccaneers one well it's as drastic as it gets for Odo Beckham Jr. to go from a team like the Rams which is pass happy to the Baltimore Ravens which hasn't been although I think the signing of Odo Beckham Jr. is an indication that things are going to change for that offense we'll find out today because OBJ will be with John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta for a press conference at 1 o'clock Eastern. And it occurred to me later in the day yesterday, as I was talking about it, it was on radio 93.7, the fan in Pittsburgh, and we were talking about this OBJ thing, and it's like, you know, DaCosta and Harbaugh don't need to be there. And I can't help but wonder whether this is just an expression of confidence, of pride, of... You know what? We didn't want to talk about Lamar Jackson last week, but we're here this week, and we're probably going to be asked Lamar Jackson questions, and we're happy to answer them because maybe there's some momentum building toward something happening with Lamar Jackson, and it actually crossed my mind, and this is not a report. This is just reckless speculation of which I engage in on a regular basis. What if they... Decide today to tell the world that they have a contract with Lamar Jackson. Ah. This Odell Beckham Jr. press mm-hmm. conference—that that would be what amazing. If, what's what's to stop them from saying we have an agreement in principle and we'll have the press conference next week?
2: No, yeah, you're right. I mean, you're right. That's any of that could go down. That would be awesome. I would love that. I would love that from Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and and OBJ. I would, and I'm interested in this press conference today. I, you know, Mike, I'm like you. I think it's more of like a. Let's let's seize on the propaganda here and a little bit of the positive momentum and and let's put ourselves in front of this and maybe put some more pressure on Lamar and you know show everybody hey things are good here in Baltimore look Lamar's ha- I mean OBJ's happy and hey we're going in the right direction come on Lamar jump on the train we need to we need you back here you know but it's it's uh it, it will be a press conference I'm going to be listening to or certainly you know whenever the transcript comes out I want to check it out OBJ's in a tough spot and- too Mike like. He's got a tote of wine here of like, hey, I'm happy to be with the Ravens, but he can't like give up the dirt that maybe Lamar has told him and stuff like that, too, to where that's the guy I'm going to be listening to to see how he acts or answers certain questions. And
1: I think it's impossible to expect the reporters to not ask Lamar Jackson questions. If Chad Steele, the PR guy, tries to tell them not to do it, I think this week he respectfully gets the finger. From the reporters in the room. We're here. We're going to ask our questions. If you choose to say we're not answering that question, fine. If you want to create a Drew Rosenhaus style loop of next question, next question, next question, that's on you. And that's what's so disappointing about what happened last week. I've had PR people tell me in the past, not in relation to this incident, but others, like it's not up to us to tell the reporters what questions to ask, it's up to us to equip ourselves, colleagues with right. the answers, right. Right. how to deal with those questions, yeah. how to gracefully address a topic that you've already addressed umpteen times. I'll take more time and talk about, again, about it again today. I'll repeat everything I've already said if you want me to, or you can ask me a question about something you haven't asked me about. So today it's unavoidable. There's too much of a link between Beckham yeah. and Lamar. And the fact that they're going to be there tells me they want to to kind of throw their chests out and project that strength. But here's the most important topic. Will Odell Beckham be there for the offseason program? We know he stays away. If he says, I'm here for the whole thing, I've worked out on my own in the past, but you know what? It's been so long since I've been within the confines of a team. I want to be here. I'm going to do all the things that I do, the exercises I do that work for me. They're going to let me do them, but I'm going to be here. I'm not going to go out to the beach in LA and post videos on TikTok of one-handed catches in the sand. I'm going to be here. If that's the case, man, that is a strong magnet to bring Lamar Jackson in and get him to sign a contract with the Ravens. I'm betting that's the case. I'm betting. you know,
2: I, I'm betting that was part of the, hey, we're giving you more money than anybody else. We want you. you know, And that was part of him. Okay, you give me that money. I'll be there to be that. That, that would be my two cents. I'd be shocked, actually, if it's the other way around. And then I think we also, when you talk about that, where they got some younger, you know, impressionable young guys on their offense, too, that you'd go, wait, wait, wait we need OBJ here. We, we need him to show Rashad Bateman how to work, what it's like to be an NFL top notch receiver. How do you work? You know, how do you, what are you doing, you know, on a, on a day off with, with your trainer to get better in, at certain things there, right? I mean, so that's where um, I would expect him there. He, I think this is not only a player on the field thing, but a culture thing, too, as far as fitting into the Ravens and
1: all that type of situation. And, and think about this. His contract is as simple and basic as it gets. We're going to get to the incentive package in a second. yeah. But there's nothing in there by way of a workout bonus. right? Not even a perfunctory $100,000. Nothing. So it does support this idea that they went to him and said, look, OBJ. Can we call you OBJ? Uh look, no one else is offering you anything close to what we're prepared to offer. But there are some unspoken or at least unwritten conditions that we're applying here. Yeah. We're not going to we're not going to make it look like we forced you to come to the off-season program. We need you to tell the world you want to be here. We, yeah, for right. this 15 million plus the 3 million more you can make, you have to say I'm going to be there with bells on. We need that commitment from you between us here, not in writing, nothing formal. But we need you to be fully on board with everything we're doing as the Todd Munkin offense is put in place, yes. so we can get right. Lamar here. Right. So, I I I, I think feel that's like it's going to go that way. To why there is no workout bonus? Right. Right. And he will be there. Yes.
2: I I feel that that's that's where you know my heart lays, and I I think you're you feel that way too with your pasta and meatballs. Right, I, I would think that is it, and you, you're right. The last piece there is it's a new offense. It's Todd Munkin, like we talked about yesterday. You know, they want to get everybody on the same page. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for this press conference today, and I'm excited about the potential of OBJ with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson and that. Uh, that that could be a special little combination there for the 2023 season. Hopefully, they can just get this Lamar thing figured out now.
1: Now as it relates to the incentives, because they were characterized as $3 million in reachable incentives for OBJ. Uh, we got the formula yesterday, and, and they are reachable. And, and here's how it goes. I'll defer to what we wrote at PFT. I'm not going to get into the weeds here. It goes up based upon number of catches, receiving yards, and touchdowns. It maxes out at a million if he has 60 catches or if he leads the team in catches. Another million if he has 1,000 receiving yards or if he leads the team in receiving yards. And another million if he has nine receiving touchdowns or if he leads the team in receiving touchdowns. Now, look, we've talked about this in the past. When he went to the Rams, I thought it was great that his incentives were based on team achievement, not personal achievement. They're taking a risk here. They're tying $3 million to him getting more balls thrown his way than any other player outdoing all the other receivers outperforming Mark Andrews or any running back that may be getting a bunch of catches he needs the most catches he needs the most yards he needs the most touchdowns to get that 18 million but if he does if he does he's getting the 18 million yeah no and it's not a crazy thought to think he can
2: get you know all three two of the three one of the three you know like you said though Mark Andrews is there He's going to be the, he's going to be, you know, a a lot of that playbook still going to be going to him there in that situation. It's not a guarantee. He hits these incentives. He's got the type of talent. We know that, but yeah, what's this offense going to look like? Are they going to open it up more in the passing game? Is there going to be some more creative ideas? Those are all things I think we need to see. Um, but, but I think the, the 15 million here for me, at least speaks enough and, I don't think he was getting anything close to that, as you said earlier in the week, to where that is enough there and then the rest of this is just a little icing on the top of the cake just to, you know, make it look a little bit better or give you a little incentive that way. But yeah, hopefully this is not a problem or becomes gimme the ball because of
1: that extra three million. I agree with you because he does have the fifteen million in hand. Yeah. Far more than anyone was gonna get. Right. Him. I think the Jets were gonna be somewhere between three and six base with a lot more in incentives. And again, it's not healthy for the team if you have a guy who is obsessed with his touches, with his targets, with his catches, with his yardage, with his touchdowns. That's not healthy. But in this case because he's got the 15 million in hand, the 3 million isn't as big of a deal. But still, still yeah. it's 3 million bucks. Yeah. It's 3 million more than he made last year. Last year he made 0 because he played for no one last year as he recovered from the ACL tear. So it's still 3 million bucks. Yeah. And 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 maybe it's a sign. Maybe it's a sign that they are going to pivot toward more of a pass-based offense here. It's good for Lamar Jackson for his career, for his longevity, like Steve Young and Steve McNair. At some point they had to pivot from guys who relied on their legs to guys who were traditional pocket passers to extend their careers. Yep. Lamar Jackson has to get away from planned intentional design runs to passing the ball more often to extend his career and here's a weapon hey, let's make it happen you want to lay the foundation for your rest of the uh, rest of your career let's do this deal let's get in here and let's do it. and i think that's what today is today is that big giant magnet to get Lamar Jackson to sign and show up. Yeah, yeah, could be. And then, you know, you just, you look at
2: like, oh, okay, wait, we got the draft coming up and right there, they might be able to get him another shiny magnet to go, hey, we got this player or, you know, we got another offensive weapon in the first two rounds here that, you know, maybe – make you wanna come here more and show you that yeah hey, we're we are looking for you know people to support you. So we'll see where this all goes, but I think this is a positive, you know, first
1: step and sign for the Ravens Lamar Jackson. All right, let's take a break. When we return, we have reviewed the draft needs of the teams of the AFC North. We're going to flip it over to the NFC North. Two of the teams coming up next, the Lions and the Bears. We'll do that when PFC Live continues right after this. By the way, yesterday I made the random reference to Bangladesh. I can't even remember the context, but I mentioned Bangladesh, and I said, I don't even know where it is. We got an email yesterday from Zahid, who is a native of Bangladesh. He was happy Love to it. hear Bangladesh. He says, catching flack. We didn't really give flack to Bangladesh. We just mentioned Bangladesh. Well, you didn't know where it was. I think it's kind of like.
2: I didn't know where it was. Yeah. I mean, you know, hey, hey, the country. Hey, I'm going to bring it up, but I don't even know where the hell you are, but I'm going to bring it up. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) You know, that may be how we got down the Jeopardy rabbit hole. (laughs) I think you might be right. (laughs) Because I think that I started talking about how certain categories in Jeopardy, I would get nothing right. I would just put the put the little clicker down and uh, for others, I'd run the table. So, uh, yeah, Bangladesh and Bangladesh trivia something I would not do very well on, although we now know someone who is a native of Bangladesh. So thank you, Zahid, for that email. Okay, the Detroit Lions entering the draft, a team that is on the rise, a team that's got a pair of first-round picks thanks to the one final first-rounder from the Jared Goff for Matthew Stafford hot potato trade. What is the thing the Lions need more than anything else in this year's draft, Chris?
2: Well, I uh, I mean... There's a, there's two ways you can go here. There's two things that I look at more than anything that, and I think they're both defense, right, Mike? We talked about this a little, I think, last week or earlier this week with the Lions, the offensive side of the ball. What what what's there really there that you can look at and go, oh, that's a desperate need, tight end maybe? There's a tight, ton of tight ends in the draft, and I think the guys they got there are actually not bad, you know. But I think the ones I look at more are interior D line. And then DB. And I think DB is still probably the one I'd go with most, right? That's one part of the thing we didn't talk about yesterday with the Jeff Okuda trade from the Lions to the Falcons, right? I think the, the the one thing we didn't dive into is the effect that might have on the Lions. Yeah, they got a fifth round pick, but I thought that screamed to me and oh hey, we're taking Devin Witherspoon at pick number six, my guy that's my man crush out of Illinois who runs around like a heat-seeking missile and then can cover people on an island like all day long. I feel like it's setting up for that. But it's still a they've made some additions to that secondary, but still a secondary that I look at and go. Oh no, they can they can still infuse a little more talent in there to where I went, oh, okay, now, ooh, okay, now we got some players. And that's where I feel like it's lending that way to where they still need another big time D B, and
1: I think that's where it's gonna go with pick number six. Let's go next level Jedi yeah. mind trick here though. Cool. What if they're trying to make people think they're gonna go corner at six? Because why would you do the trade this week? Why not say, hey, Falcons? Trust us here, handshake, right, small industry, everybody's got to get along. people have to be able to trust each other in order to do these deals. We will trade Jeff Okuda to you for a fifth round pick after we put our our pick down. Just can we do it after round one like because you you've you've now made the move that's going to make people think well sure. they're looking at corn yeah, yeah. Chris. It, it may be it may be bait to try to get someone to jump them and take a corner and push down the guy they're really looking at. Maybe they're hoping Jalen Carter makes it through to number 6. They could use help in the interior defensive line. Definitely. And no. what a compliment that would be to Aiden Hutchinson. Well, I mean, the more of those guys that you can load up front when you have a guy like Hutchinson, those other guys are going to be far more likely to be successful because Hutchinson's going to get extra attention. I think you just answered your question right there. You answered it. You know,
2: okay, somebody trades up and they jump us for Devin Witherspoon. Oh, gosh, we'll have to take Jalen Carter. Oh, no. We have to take – so I think they're probably – they were willing to take that risk. Let alone, right, Mike? I mean, you you read those first five picks – I don't think anybody's, it doesn't look like it's going to be, first off, rarely does anybody trade up to jump anybody for the corner position, right? It's usually a specific team that has a specific need at that position, and this year it happens that there's a guy that can kind of meet that need, even that high value in the draft, which is rare at corner. It doesn't always happen. We saw it last year with Sauce Gardner, right? Um, But yeah, I, I think that's probably why. And then also there's some other corners that maybe they're comfortable with where they went, okay, wait, if somebody did jump us, we got two or three other guys that we really like a lot too. Uh, there are some good ones to go around in this draft at that position. So I would think that's their thinking. Yeah, it's a little bit of a risk, but uh, you know, I think maybe they're just setting the table, getting it done. Atlanta maybe wanted to – you know, like you said, you could do the wink, wink, whatever – but maybe they wanted to make sure they got it in their hands so they don't have to worry about, wait, should we draft somebody? Do we definitely have this? And they got it done. But I don't think they're in risk of, of losing the guy they want at six.
1: So I think we agree interior defensive line and corner are needs that they need to address yeah. regardless of the timing of the Jeff Okuda deal. I still think they need, need a developmental quarterback. I, hear I, you there. I, don't, I don't want to turn this into the Jared Goff hater club, but when they did that trade, they didn't expect Jared Goff to be a guy that they would keep more than two years. And he's got two years left on his contract, and I think they need a plan long term. I just don't. I I, I like not how he's sold adjusted. On it. Yeah, but I don't think he fits with the Dan Campbell vision of the team. And I think that that they need that, that, that I to be a consistent contender yeah. that can win a championship. Right, Jared Goff. Just like he did with the Rams, he'll take you to a certain level. He'll take you to a certain place, just like Kirk Cousins. He'll get you to a certain stratosphere of the NFL but he's not the guy that's going to get you over the hump. He's not the guy that's going to outduel Patrick Mahomes in a Super Bowl. He's not the guy, and I know he beat Patrick Mahomes in that epic 2018 November 54-51 game, but that's different. I'm talking about with the the entire season riding on it, some of these guys step up and some of them don't, and we've seen from Goff that he doesn't. So I'm sorry, it's just true. If the Lions want to be a Super Bowl contender – they need to be developing a quarterback that they think can take them there, and that's something they need to keep an eye on. And it's a luxury pick, maybe at twenty. Who knows? Who knows? You address a need at six, and you take a luxury pick at twenty. Before we move on, though, too, Bijan Robinson is a guy that I'm watching. Yeah, for them, right? Because Jamal Williams is gone. DeAndre Swift has been mixed bag. Yeah, he's been hurt a man, little again, too. Again, yeah. one of these contenders, one of these contenders yeah. is going to plug in Bijan Robinson, and we're going to be saying after run one round of the draft, "Holy crap." That, that team just got a lot better. Yeah. No, I, I, I they're definitely a team that at, at 20
2: that I've gone, ooh, I don't, I don't know. You know, they did get David Montgomery, right, in free agency. Correct. But. Correct. But, 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 but it ain't B. John Robinson, to your point. And, yeah. at, at, again, if this was 10, 12, 15 years ago, B. John Robinson would definitely be a top five pick in the draft. So, yeah, he's going to be a little – He's gonna, he very good chance he could be on the board at 20. You know, now do they go – Hey, let's do that. Even though we're really one of the best running teams in football and have an awesome offensive line, I don't think they'll do that. I think that's where, you know, again, they could visit whoever they didn't get in that pick number six. Oh, we got the DB at six, Devin Witherspoon, now 20, we can maybe look at D tackle, you know, or vice versa. Oh, we got this guy, you know, we got the D tackle at six, now we got a DB at 20 we like. I would imagine it going that way because just damn, their defense needs help. I mean, You know, they turned it around a little at the end of the year. But, I mean, if I remember correctly, it was still the worst defense in football. Right, Mike? I mean, and it wasn't even – well, it was close. Your Vikings challenged them a little bit. But it was the worst defense in football. uh, And they were horrible at stopping the run. And that's where I get back into that D-line conversation that you just brought up.
1: By the way, speaking of running backs in the top five, I had a vision back in 2005 where there was not one – not two, three, but three right. running backs taken in the top five. Can you name them? Oh, you know I can because one of them was my buddy, an RIP to him,
2: okay, and Cedric Benson, right, who I was in Tampa, and, and I was telling you know, John Gruden and company about Cedric Benson all the time. I think we were going to take him. Uh, but the bears took him. I think the pick before us Cadillac Williams and then, uh, Ronnie Brown. That would be the top three right there. Pretty remarkable, right? Where we've come done. those days. Well done. Yeah.
1: Yes. Uh, and Cedric Benson went to the bears. Um, and, uh, so we'll pivot to the bears, but you're right. The running backs don't get taken high. There won't be if 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 Bijan Robinson is top ten, it would be maybe number ten or somebody trades tra- right. up to number nine to cut the line in front of the Eagles to take him. But uh, would would have been top five in past years. All right, the Bears can't leave the 2023 draft without addressing what. Remember, they've traded down from one to nine to pick up extra picks. What do they need more than anything else? Well, there's there, there's two things here. I think that just that screamed to me. One, O line. We
2: know that, right? You know, I, I, I like, uh, had to rank my offensive tackles yesterday. You know, guys like Darnell Wright, right, the big tackle from Tennessee, you know, maybe the guard or tackle from Northwestern, Peter Skaranski. I mean, I, I certainly could see it going that way. There's no doubt. Also, D-line. I mean, there was a reason, right, when they were the number one pick, we were going, oh, Jalen Carter could be the number one pick to the Chicago Bears. Uh, you, I mean, again, their defense has got some good – did a good job at the you know, Tremaine Edmonds and free agency, but you know, who's that guy up front on their D line, Mike? You know, when you think of the Bears, is there a guy right now? You go, ooh, man, he's awesome up there, right? You can't block him. They don't have that. So that would be the other position that certainly jumps out to me. Uh what do you what do you got to say about that?
1: I I uh I agree that they need help on both lines. Yeah, Look, if both you're gonna lines, become a great team. Right. You got to have both lines playing at a high level, offensive and defensive. They need the offensive line to be better to protect their investment and get the most out of Justin Fields, but defensively, they need to make it better. I mean, their defense, especially after the roquin Smith trade, like where is it right now? What what where, where and and I think that they just need to maximize those picks, those lottery tickets, get some guys that they can develop and hope that Matt Eberflus a defensive coach can turn that defense into something that properly balances out, and it can be an old-school rough and tumble, black and blue division-type team, with Justin Fields running the ball, but also passing it. You know, they have D.J. Moore to go along with Chase Claypool. Um, they, they, I think they're moving in the right direction. Yeah, but they need the the lines to be taken care of on both sides. Um, by the way, yeah, it's a pop quiz. Right pete has plugged in here okay what running back from the 2009 draft had the most career rush yards in the nfl he was the 65th overall pick pete what do you mean by most career rush yards in the nfl that's emmett smith you need to be more specific on how you're defining this from that class 2009 whoa oh well that you're was talking 2005. about 2005 he wrote 2009 2005, okay pete. you got the year wrong right Get your years straight, Pete. 2005. Okay, so which running back from the 2005 draft had the most rushing yards out of that class? He was the 65th overall pick. Do you know who it was?
2: Man, I I um, I, I would know it if I saw the list of running backs. It's hard to call that class off from the top. Can you tell me... He's Did third he? all-time. Oh, it's Frank Gore. It's Frank Gore. Oh, my gosh. Good job. Frank Way Gore. to go. Yeah. I would not have gotten there with Frank Gore. I would not have gotten there. So that, that's incredible. Uh, oh, no, incredible. because you don't
1: think he should be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> I do.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, he wants to fight me because I said that. So, uh, But he's awesome. and, and That's and why I bring it up every chance I, I, I can. I've, I want I've him to come fight I've around a little bit. I'm not a guy that's that hard-headed. I always evaluate, self-evaluate. I have. Yeah, I hemmed and hawed a little bit. Okay, but I came around to, you know, what he did, the longevity and how he sustained that. That yeah, Hall of Fame, Frank Gore. All right. So don't beat me up, Frank.
1: But and, and I will risk getting a punch in the face by saying he's not in the Deion Sanders upper room. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that we, regular, that we can the agree. Regular on. The regular win. Regular win. All room. right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let's take a break. The other two teams. <laughs> From the NFC North. What? The Packers and the Hornblowers. Oh, See what they need in the draft. Next, right? Like Was the BFC Kirk North.
2: Cousins or no?
0: Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there.
1: Well, now we know carte blanche, much like a blank check in French, carte means document and blanche means blank. So the phrase means blank document. English retained that literal meaning of carte blanche was a blank document signed in advance by one party and given to the other with permission to fill in conditions later, much like blank check. Carte blanche also took on the extended meaning of complete freedom. So sort of like laissez-faire. Maybe that's why you said carte blanche. Same idea. Do what you want. Yes, okay. I got it. I'm good. I I don't know if I'll get
2: that right with me saying it that way all the time, but uh, good. Now I am at least know the total meaning and can maybe use it correctly most of the time.
1: And, 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 and I haven't really thought of this, and at the risk of getting punched in the face by Big Phil... Right. When I think of some of the stories you've told over the years, peeing off of the porch onto the grass dropping F-bombs at the age of four to the point where they were afraid when they took you on the Regis Philbin show you were just going to blurt out F-bombs. Right. It does sound a little laissez-faire in the Sims household. Uh, I think maybe Steve Young was right. Well, I mean, it may be. I mean, it's laissez-faire,
2: but like, <laughs> you know, laissez-faire was used in like, yeah, it's like, oh, silver spoon, and we're like, got a nice, you know, where we got silk sheets and all that, and it was just the opposite. It was like, hey, F-you, go take the garbage out. That's the only difference. I'm not saying I was raised the right way, but it wasn't laissez-faire, silver spoon. That's what I'm saying. Hey, Christopher, what are you, an idiot? I mean, are you Evan kidding me, right? So yeah, I don't know if that considered laissez-faire. Raised right, questionable, certainly. Well,
1: <laughs> and 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 look, we got to move on, but in a roundabout way. Not that he meant to do this, and continuing with our theme of the bucko Bruce with the surgical implement in his mouth. I mean, that criticism kind of almost got you killed. Because to prove to the world that you weren't Nepo baby, that you aren't the guy that's out there with everything handed to him and is soft and isn't driven and isn't motivated because of the silver spoon, you stayed in a game a hell of a lot longer than you should have to prove that... You are as tough as everybody else if not tougher. I, I don't it,
2: that did not affect me. I wasn't on the field going, right. you know. I will say that. Listen, it it, it, it uh, I don't know where Steve Young came up with that. If you ask me, I feel like he probably talked to a certain head coach that was down there at Tampa at that time and he said that in his ear and then he made the mistake of saying that out loud on TV. If you bet, made me bet money, that's what I would bet would happen. All right, I don't hold Steve. I listen. I'm a tough sob. Period. It didn't. I didn't need him to to push me that way. Uh, I I grew up watching my dad stand in the pocket against your, you know, Chris Dolman and Reggie White, where I took a lot of pride in that, and I was gonna stand in there, and then I tried not to flinch or blink, and I'm old school, and that I was gonna play, and I didn't see blood or a bone sticking out, and I was gonna keep going. That's just the way I was wired. But uh, so I don't want Steve Young to think. That that was the case with that scenario, at least that's
1: for sure. Well, I tried. I tried. Good job. Might have stirred the Uh, (laughs) pot. Packers draft (laughs) needs. uh, They can't exit this process without addressing what position, Chris. I I think there's like two. They're a team again that didn't
2: make the playoffs, and you look at them and you go, "Man, they got a lot of good things on their football team." You know, especially with the receivers that we look like they're they're about to flourish into something special there, right? You know, but I think. All right, tight end is certainly one I look at to go around out the offense and always friendly for a a younger quarterback to have that. Tight ends, big bodies, they're right over the middle of the field there. So I think that's one I'd look at for sure. You know, O-line could be maybe another, Mike. And then safety. Those are the three I would boil it down to a little bit. And safety is probably the most desperate of needs. They have lacked – with solid play in that department for a while. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that th- those are really the, the three positions that jump out to me.
1: They need receivers. Yeah, they need more Pat of LaFleur, them. Before the head coach right. of the team pointed this out. Yeah. They've got five on the roster. Yeah. I mean, this is the time of year where teams have like 12 receivers on the roster right. because you can have up to 90 guys on the roster. And the Green Bay Packers have it's five. Crazy. And they're all young. They need veterans, but you know and again so maybe it's not really a draft need they just need to develop the young guys they have but they just need bodies at this point and they've got a decent number of picks and they're going to pick up a second rounder most likely when the Aaron Rodgers deal goes through right. so they'll they'll have some luxury picks they can make some extra picks that they'll have but uh I I, th- I think I agree with you this team isn't as bad as people think there's a belief they're just going to completely fall apart without Aaron Rodgers I don't I don't think that's the case. I I think they'll still be competitive in a division that. That is fairly wide open. You know, the, the the line. We just assume the Lions are going to be great because they had a great finish last year. Are they going to be able to perform under the weight of expectations? What are the Vikings going to be with the defense just a little bit better? They still have Justin Jefferson. They still have a pretty good offense. Defense gets a little bit better. They could be better than they were last year. The Bears are building. Who knows where the Packers fit into this? They could still be pretty good. Well, so I agree. Uh, they address those needs and they they will be.
2: Yeah, I you know I, you said it right, Mike. I mean, think about it, right? I mean, in the middle of their defense. They got Devontae Wyatt, who they drafted the first round last year, along with Kenny Clark and some other guys that are players. They still got Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary on the edge, right? Devontae Campbell in the middle. They maybe could go linebacker. That could be another area you could look at to go, hey, for the future. some. But no, I'm wrong. They got Quay Walker at middle linebacker. So they got him, too, another first-round pick. They got Jair Alexander and, and, and uh, Stokes on the outside. Both are first-rounders at corner. Right, so O line, tight end, depth of receiver, safety. There, you're right, and like they, they do look like one of those teams. To your point with the receiver, where it's it's go through the draft and then hey, let's look at that free agent market again at receiver. Are there are two or three guys. Oh, hey, Jarvis Landry's out there. Oh, he'd be perfect for us. Oh, uh, I could see them definitely doing that to add to that room to to the
1: points you were making there, Mike. All right, the Minnesota Vikings, thirteen and four last year, somehow, with somehow one of the worst defenses we've ever seen. They were outscored. Thirteen and four and they were outscored <laughs> it's by their opponents it's last year. The worst <laughs> the worst thirteen win team in the history of the National Football you League. Said it, one not and me. done in the playoffs, thanks to a defense that couldn't stop anything. I still remember <laughs> Coach Garrett turned to me after the oh, first drive of the so game good. saying, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't going to go well. Well, no, wait, no. it went down and you guys went up seven,
2: nothing. Right. And we all went, well, oh, you know, good drive. You know, it wasn't easy, but you know, it wasn't hard. They got it done. And then the giants went down. It seemed like in like five plays and it was like parting of the red sea. And it was funny cause he looked at you and he went. We went, oh, everybody with open eyes. he looked at me and went, whoa, that was really
1: easy. And that, that was a, a, <laughs> a, a, a sign of things to come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think the easy thing to say this year is, for the draft, just defense. Exactly. Just, de- just defense. Because they could get rid of everybody they had last year and replace them with people off the street, and they won't be any worse than they were defensively. So <laughs> get in, especially corner. They've lost basically Definitely. all of their corners. Right. They added the guy from Arizona whose name is Skiffy at Murphy. this point. I, I got uh, you. Byron Murphy. Right. And thank you very much. But they otherwise have just pushed these guys out the door, and who cares? They're not very good. Harrison Smith is sticking around. He did a deal to remain in Minnesota, which is good. It's going to provide some leadership that these young guys get going. But they just need, at every level of the secondary, at every level of the defense, linebackers, defensive linemen, they need bodies, they need help, they need guys who are talented, who can develop into the defense that they need to complement that offense. Yeah,
2: agreed. I mean, corner is the one that you know certainly jumps out the most there, right? I mean, there's desperate need and, and safety. You're not, you know, wrong there. And Dean Line, I could we could look there. I mean, you're right. I mean, you just you said it. It's defense, period. I mean, linebacker. I I, I could see that being something that you know gets tossed around there. So it it's really almost like best player available on that side of the ball. You know, you could use an interior D line, a safety, a linebacker, whatever, but I agree with you there. It, it is that more than anything. And that's where they become interesting because there's those big holes, but then there's that talk of, you know, will they will they be a team that drafts Hendon Hooker, right? Or stuff like that. Will they look to replace Kirk Cousins here and waste one of those picks, you know, on on the quarterback position instead of filling the holes we're talking about?
1: I mean, the bottom line is, if you're going to move on from Kirk Cousins after this year, you better have someone that you believe you can develop into a franchise quarterback. Vikings fans, other than me, have been clamoring for years to get rid of Kirk Cousins. And I've tried to be the voice of reason and say, folks, folks, getting rid of Kirk Cousins is easy. Replacing him is what's difficult. The guy never misses a game. The guy's good enough to keep you relevant. Without him, you could just fall into crap for multiple years. So if there's a guy they love who is there at 23, yeah. or they think they can reasonably move up to get him, if they're willing to give up next year's first-round pick to get him, if it's the guy they truly love that they think will be the long-term guy that gets joined at the hip with Kevin O'Connell, the head coach, and becomes the future of the position for the Vikings, then that's a move you make. Otherwise, you just wait until next year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If all else fails, we got one year with Kirk Cousins, and we'll figure out the quarterback position next year. So, uh, But they've got to figure it out at yeah. some point. Cousins isn't the guy that's gonna win a Super Bowl in Minnesota, and I feel like they're trying to get there. And maybe we see him trade down this year to get more picks, more lottery tickets, more defensive players, and off we go. Let's take a break. Jeff Bezos is out finally. He was in, he was out, he was in, he was out, he's out. As it relates to the pursuit of the commanders. I got a new theory. And it isn't all that hot takey, but it's a theory on what he's gonna do next. We'll do that when PFC Live continues right after. This. Dun, dun, dun. Earlier this week when the commanders settled the lawsuit that D.C. had filed over the allegations that security deposits from season ticket holders were retained and not given back and they put unreasonable barriers in place for people to try to get the money. Once that went away, we began suggesting that this means a sale's coming. This was kind of the last impediment. This is Daniel Snyder acting out of character in not taking on a legal fight so he can act out of character and finally sell his team. And I kind of heard some stuff. I mean, it's one of those where I can't really report it, but I kind of heard some stuff that it's moving in that direction and that Josh Harris is likely to buy it. And so the next domino to fall is Jeff Bezos to fall out. Wow. Jeff Bezos, per multiple reports, is not going to bid on the commanders. I thought maybe he was allowing others to set a floor of six billion. He'd swoop in at maybe six two five, get the team. Because if he had been there from the get go, Chris, none of these other bids are coming. If you know Jeff Bezos is at the party, you're not going to bother showing up with a bag of cash. He's got enough to outbid you. So it felt like maybe that's what he was doing. Now the theory is, and I think this makes a ton of sense, he's just waiting for the next one. Waiting for the Seahawks. Seahawks will be sold by Jody Allen. That's the next team. Administering the estate. I think May of 24, they're going to be sold. At some point, then or thereafter. Because at that point, under their stadium deal, 10% of the proceeds won't have to go to the state of Washington. The team is sold before May of 24. 10%, 10 cents on every dollar of the sale of that team goes to the state of Washington. So you wait. You wait until May twenty-four. And that's when Bezos combined that, you know, because we would never really thought about this. If I'm going to buy an NFL team, am I going to buy a team that has a horrible stadium, a horrible brand, just a horrible vibe that I have to resurrect? Yes, I'm going to be greeted as the conquering hero, but then I have a crap team that I have to resurrect. Why, if I'm going to spend that money, am I not going to spend the money on a team that doesn't need to be resurrected? Yeah, it's a fair
2: point. You're right. There's a lot of headaches there. There definitely is. And it's a team that's, you know, Uh, in turmoil and, you know, a huge year on the football field too to where you'd go, okay, if they're not good there, there could be, you know, a little more turmoil in that situation. And the biggest headache does seem like the stadium thing if I was, you know, to put myself in their shoes. You said it last week. I mean, we talked about it. The stadium sucks. It sucks in every area. I mean, it really does. Not like whether you're there physically, the inside, the guts of it, or where it is, you know, geographically, it all stinks. And who wants to deal with that? We all know that they they want a new stadium. They need a new stadium. So you're right, Seattle. That stadium's still awesome and state of the art. And there's not much headaches there in uh, to deal with up with up with that franchise there. So it makes sense, Mike. I, I hear you there. I'll be be uh, interested
1: to see if that comes to comes to life and it really is amazing that stadium in the grand scheme of things is not that old I wonder if there was ever a time anybody ever walked into that place and said wow this is great
2: I I mean I was there early on walked
1: into a stadium before in their life no
2: I was there early on in it's early stages right I, I played in I believe the first game in that stadium that had when they added like the extra seats and it became like the biggest stadium in football. Do you remember that, Mike? Uh, in 2003, yes. it was like, you know, there was like 85000 uh, 85,000 people on opening day. Right. So it was like, oh, wow, there's a lot of people in here. But not when you come from Texas and there's 100,000, so I wasn't like, oh, wow. And then, yeah, I wasn't in the inside of that stadium going, man, this is some state-of-the-art thing. And at that point, it was only three or four years old at that point, I think. So, yeah, I don't think it ever was, like, top-notch uh, from, the point, from the moment it was constructed.
1: I think it opened like late '90s. Right, '98, '99. I've been there okay. once, and I never want to go back. And uh, again, if you buy that team, you inherit all those issues, or you just wait and you buy the Seahawks, or maybe you buy someone else. If you're going to show up with seven, eight billion, maybe guys that aren't currently thinking about selling—that's what I was thinking say. about selling their team. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> right. If Bezos is looming out there and he's ready to write a big check, yeah, I wasn't going to sell, but you know what? Maybe I will. Yeah. All right, let's take a break, yeah. uh, as promised. The best current. Current not retired, not deceased, but current Clemson players in the NFL will do that draft from PFT Live continues right after this. Uh, nine years old, playing little league baseball. I was in right field where all the kids who suck end up, at least back in the 70s. I don't know what it is now, but I was horrible. And, and there was a wasp. I was trying to avoid being stung by the wasp, oh, and the okay. wasp is getting closer and closer to me, and I can hear it buzzing. It's The next thing I know, the ball buzzes right by my head. And when I retrieve the ball, I wind up, and I do exactly what Travis Kelsey did. Throw it right into the—straight yeah. down into the ground. <laughs> oh no oh that's mean oh. oh that little six-year-old version of me is crying tears somewhere today that 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 we awesome that kid. photo that i was so proud of yeah, yeah. uh anyway <laughs> and and by the way by the way quick story see that glove yeah i am left-handed right. i am left-handed but my first baseball glove went on the left hand so when playing baseball there was a period of time yeah. where i had to take the glove off jim abbott style oh and play with gosh. my left hand N- uh. because my glove went over my left hand
2: well what what how what so that, mean, is no you get that is accurate through the ball the ground i mean yes. what no wonder i mean <laughs> damn what happened it's i mean what, what, a lot of things your family they just said the hell with it use this glove or they didn't know you were a lefty yet how does that even happen
1: I think my godparents bought me the glove and they didn't know I was left. Oh, gotcha. I think that's what happened. Got you,
2: Right. And right. I just,
1: I just, instead of taking it back and getting the right one, I just kept it and used it. So uh, anyway, <laughs> that's hilarious. Clemson, best current NFL players who went to Clemson. Chris, you're up. Well,
2: I, I mean, I feel like it's unfair, but I mean, I'm going with Trevor Lawrence, unless you want to cancel him out here. But, you know, you've said it like two or three times this week. He's gotten to the, you know, five or six quarterbacks in football that you talk about that are kind of untouchable area. That's where he's gotten. He's – the way the season ended, man, Trevor Lawrence was, you know, flirting with five best quarterbacks in football type of thing there. So I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence. It just seems like it's all going in the right direction for the big guy.
1: Yeah, um, this one's tough for me because I really don't know where Deshaun Watson's going to be this year. Yeah. But when he was playing for the Texans, think about that last year. He had over 4,000 passing yards. He had nothing behind him. Remember his quarterback's coach made that comment that basically he's got he's got uh, Brandon Cooks and a bunch of guys that work at Walmart as his receivers right. or something like that. I mean, it was some derogatory comment about the fact that he doesn't have help, and he was great. I'm going to say Deshaun Watson just because I, I think that with the benefit of a full year to get ready – and all this other stuff behind him, but for a couple of pending civil lawsuits, I think he's going to reach his potential again. And I think he's going to remind us of, of why it was that the Browns gave up what they got or gave up what they gave up to get him in the terms of money and also the draft pick. So I'll go to Sean Watson, even though I was, I was wrestling, I didn't want to give you both of them because no. I assume you would have taken Watson if I didn't. I, I, you said it right. I, I
2: probably would have. Yeah. I, I mean, again, he's, he was definitely a top five quarterback before all this went down. I'm with you. I expect it to go back into that that category there. So I, I think you're smart to pick that. And yeah, he's still got some issues like you said, but you know I I still saw the the talent and and what he can do at the end of the year, even though it wasn't perfect. All right, now this is where it gets interesting. Well, I'm gonna go with the guy we talked about earlier today. Yeah, it's it's he's close to my heart because he's a G-men. Right? I'm gonna go with Sexy Dexy, Dexter Lawrence. And it's funny you look at you look at this. Clemson team first off there's not as many stars as you would think right for as awesome as they've been for as while I know they have a lot of good and middle class guys throughout the NFL too Uh, but damn D tackles and big receivers they've cornered the market in that but Dexter Lawrence I mean come on he's he's one of the biggest people in the NFL he's extremely athletic he's great at stopping the run and he ended the Viking seasons with a little pressure on fourth down on Kirk Cousins I got to take him uh, with my second pick
1: Yeah, uh, thank you very much for that. (laughs) No problem. uh, Between that and Kirk Cousins not throwing to Justin Jefferson, that's what ended the season. I'll go T. Higgins, guy who would be the number one wideout on any team except the Bengals and the Vikings. He's got to deal with Jamar Chase in Cincinnati, so he's not number one, but he's damn close to it. And with Joe Burrow there, makes that offense unstoppable for as long as he's around with Jamar Chase. But we had him at the Super Bowl, great kid, great player. Great ability to go get the football, hard to cover, hard to stop, and uh, one of the best receivers in the NFL that doesn't get the credit he deserves because he's stuck behind Jamar Chase.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, it, it, he is. He's a phenomenal talent, and, and you know can do it all. And like we saw in, in the playoffs and at the end of the year, he's one of those guys that even when you're covered, he's not covered. You can just throw it up to him. Um, all right, are we taking
1: a break before we I make take the a break. Success? Okay, cool. We'll take a break. Cool. We'll wrap it up when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, the best players currently in the NFL, not retired, currently in the NFL, who went to college at Clemson. We have two rounds in, one round to go. Chris, you're up.
2: Well, you know me, Mike. You know, I like big butts and I cannot lie. All right, so I'm going with Christian Wilkins, right? I mean, damn, damn, look at this draft. I got Dexter Lawrence, Sexy Dexy, and Christian Wilkins. I got the four biggest butt cheeks in football on my draft right here but wilkins is awesome like like sexy dexy i mean to me is an all pro caliber defensive tackle and can do it all let alone's got personality and you know hustle and just uh, a phenomenal interior defense alignment in the nfl right now
1: i'll go travis atn his first season was wiped out by an acl tear but we've seen just enough mm-hmm. d- 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 he's he's on his way 1100 yards part last of year jaguars team yeah yeah That is going to become a force get right. used to it i know it's difficult to look at that uniform and think they're going to be good but they're already there they got to the final eight this year and maybe they go even farther in 2023
2: Chris. yeah no he's a he's a player for sure definitely and no disrespect to mike williams deandre hopkins right AJ Terrell who had an injury last year, all guys
1: that were in the running for me there out of Clemson. Hunter Renfro too. Hunter yeah, Renfro that's right. on the board. That's it. Enjoy your See Sunday, Monday. I'm out of here. See you tomorrow.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble.